It is, um, of course, a great honor to be here, and, and uh, I've said this, I guess, every year. Uh, we've been coming since it started, and uh, I think it's a great idea. Love the meeting, and uh, for an older man like myself, and I feel old in this group, it is very encouraging to see a room full of young people that want to serve God and want to be here, and, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It gives us a lot of hope is what it does. And so I thank you for, for your interest in the Lord and wanting to serve him and wanting to be here. It's been a great week. We've heard a lot of preaching. It's hot, and we're getting ready to be hotter when we go out. And so I'm not going to preach long tonight. I'll try to get this done just as quick as I can. But I want you to take your Bible. I want you to go to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5. The book of Galatians in the fifth chapter. I'll read one verse and then bring the message that I feel the Lord has laid on my heart for this evening. Galatians chapter 5. Heard some great preaching this week. I appreciate Brother Simpson preaching this morning. Just, just putting it down in our lap. Just just laying it right there. Well, you just got to deal with it. And uh, just go do it. And I, I like that kind of preaching. Galatians chapter number 5. Just a little bit of ring up here. If we can get just, just a little bit of ring if we can deal with that. But I want you to look at verse number 1. Galatians 5 and verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The word liberty shows up four times in the book of Galatians. And it's probably one of the most misunderstood words in all of the Bible. Liberty is actually a New Testament doctrine. It is a Christian doctrine. But in this day and age, it's not used so much as a doctrine as it is a buzzword. And the most modern common misconception in Baptist churches now of liberty is that liberty means that I am free to live any way that I want to live. That liberty is the absence from rules. I am free from something. Normally when you hear somebody tout his liberty in Christ, usually it is a cloak for carnality. I am free in Christ. I have liberty, so don't tell me how to live, but it's a false dichotomy. Liberty is not freedom from standards. Liberty is freedom to sanctification. And in the book of Galatians, Paul is going to correct some errant thinking about the matter of liberty. Now, when you come to the book of Galatians, there is one word that I say is the most important word in the book to understand the book. It is found seven times, and it is the word brethren. Seven times Paul says in this letter that he is writing to brethren. Now Galatians is different from the other Pauline epistles in that in the other Pauline epistles, he either writes to a particular church or a particular individual like Ephesians or Thessalonica, but the letter to Galatians was not written to just one church. There were several churches in what is now northern Turkey, and, and really the letter was written as a, as a circular letter to be written to be read to a lot of the churches that Paul has started in that region. And he writes the letter, there's no commendation, he writes the letter to address errant theology. And it's such a burning issue on his mind that in the book of Galatians, he doesn't give one word of commendation. Even to the letter of 1 Corinthians where he corrects everything, 
He starts out bragging on them a little bit and then gets to the matter. He doesn't do that in Galatians. He gets right down to business in this letter because what's being spread in those churches in Galatia is very, very serious. But the word is brethren. He's writing to brethren. And here's the reason why you need to know that. When he talks about grace and about salvation, we automatically think that he's talking in terms of how to get saved. But these people, for the most part, are already saved. So Paul is not addressing how to be saved. He's addressing in this letter what happens after you get saved. The issue in Galatians is not how to be saved. The issue in Galatians is how to be sanctified. The issue in this book is not that some people believe that they could be saved by something other than grace and faith. The issue is they believe that they could be sanctified by something other than grace and faith. Look at chapter 2, if you look, look at verse number 21, I'll show it to you. Chapter 2, verse 21, he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now here's what Paul's going to do. He's going to lay out his argument in a series of contrasts. And in verse 21, here's what he contrasts. He contrasts grace and law. You understand that you cannot be saved by law. Deeds, works, things of the place. You can't. But, but, but what about after you are saved? Well, look at chapter 3 and verse 1, next verse. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. I have a question to ask you. And I want you to, I want you to answer the question. Here's what he asks you. He says, received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Look right here. Answer the question. When did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you got saved, right? Do you agree with that? All right. Well, how did you get him? Did you get him by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Help me. Help me. You got him by faith. All right. Well, verse number three. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? The word perfect, to be mature, to, to be complete in Christ. It's not sinless perfection, but to be complete in Christ. So are you made perfect by the flesh or are you made perfect by the spirit? How did you receive the Spirit? Did you get him by faith or by works? You got it by faith. Well, Paul says, do you think that you're going to begin by faith? You're going to begin by the Spirit, and now after you get saved, that it's going to be a work of the flesh? See, the issue is that the flesh can't save you, and the flesh can't sanctify you. So, 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 so see, how, how, much, how much self-dependency can a man have in order to be saved? None. None. As long as you're depending on yourself and your flesh, then you will never be saved. Well, you can't have any self-dependency in being sanctified either. The issue in the book is that the flesh cannot do what the flesh cannot do. And I believe that it's one of the most misunderstood doctrines in all of the Bible in this modern day Christianity, but it is the fundamental key to victory in your life. And when it comes to sanctification, in this letter, Paul is going to lay out three paths to sanctification. 
And two of them are a ditch. And the first path is what we would call legalism. He's going to address it. Now, now legalism is a misunderstood concept. So let me lay out some very broad definitions for you. You've got to think for just a little bit, all right? Legalism is not standards. Legalism has, somebody has defined a legalism as anybody that has more standards than you do. And unfortunately, there are some people that, that believe that that is true. There are some who in the name of liberty call anybody who has more standards than they do a legalist. So a legalist is somebody that doesn't go to the movie, doesn't have a TV, doesn't dress like the world, doesn't have Facebook. Just add whatever you want to on the list. If they have a longer list than you, then they are a legalist. By the way, everybody has a dress standard. Everybody does. If you came to church here long enough and you watched who Brother Logan puts on the platform to sing and the ladies that get up and sing, after a while you would probably pick up there's some kind of dress standard here and, 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 and everybody has, even the modern contemporary churches have a dress standard. Now you've got to look hard to find out where it is at, but there is a line somewhere, right? So if standards make you a legalist, then everybody to some degree, is a legalist. Legalism is not about where you draw the line. Legalism is about your attitude toward the line. I know some very conservative people who live just as tight and straight as anybody that you will ever meet, but they're also under bondage, and they also have no peace, and they also don't love Jesus, and they're also pharisaical, and they're also judgmental. They got a long list, but they are legalists is what they are. You see, legalism is performing spiritual life by the works of the flesh. It is not that you have standards, but it is that you depend on those standards to make you spiritual. It's not in that you keep a list, but your spiritual life is wrapped up just in that list. Your Christianity is defined in all of the things that I don't do. Now, now I know somebody sitting here right now said, well, well, boy, I'm glad to hear that. Then I don't need a list. No, the truth of the matter is all of us probably need to add some things to our list, right? You probably need a longer list than what you have. But there are Christians who labor to keep the standards and keep the list, but they're hateful and they're depressed and they have no joy and there's no victory in their life because all of their spirituality is defined just by a list. And what legalism does is legalism depends upon the flesh for spirituality. He says in verse number three, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Perfection by the flesh is legalism. That, that, that's the definition of it. If you have any measure of, of self-dependence, Dependency, you can't be saved. But if you have any measure of self-dependency relying on the flesh and self-determination, then you can't be sanctified either. Because in salvation and sanctification, it is not by the flesh. Any victory that you ever gain over the flesh and over the power of sin is done by the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside you. 
There are some Christians who believe that, that, that deeper Christian life and more sanctification and being holy is accomplished by, by just trying harder and, and, and just, just more rules and, and I'm miserable and I hate them, but I'm, but I'm just going to, boy, I just got to buckle down and, 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 and I, I chafe under these rules, but, but these rules is what makes me spiritual. Can I tell you something? That you can't do anything in the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You can't pray without him and you can't witness without him. You can't have any victory without him. You certainly cannot transform your life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps. That's the dumbest thing anybody has ever said. I don't care if you practice for 20 years. You will never be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And a lot of Christians live like that. I, I'm just, I'm just going to grit my teeth and I, I'm, I'm just going to force my flesh and I'm not, I'm not going to watch certain things and I, I'm not going to listen to certain things and I, I'm just, I'm just going to bear hard. I, I'll tell you what you could do. You could surrender to the Spirit of Christ in your life and let Him change your heart so you don't want to watch those things. You don't want to listen to those things. I don't want to be like the world. And let the Spirit of Christ do it in you. Here's what a lot of Christians are trying to do. They're trying to crucify the flesh by the flesh. And here's what it's going to do for you. It's going to lead to defeatism and discouragement and beating yourself up every time that you fail. And you go through the motions and you keep the list, but there is no power. But when you define your spirituality by a list, here's what happens you will eventually become proud of your list. And when you become proud of your list, you then will be judgmental of everybody that doesn't have the same list that you do. And when your Christianity is defined by all the things I don't do, here's my list, you are a legalist. I may agree with everything on your list, but the list doesn't make you sanctified. Because here's what legalism does. Legalism focuses on the rules, not the relationship. There's no power in the rules. There's power in the relationship. Suppose we have a lady that meets a man and she gets married. And after she, she gets married and the honeymoon's over and they move into life together she discovers that he is very controlling and he's very, very demanding. And from day one, he dictates to everything in her life. I mean, he dictates to what time she gets up and she has to keep the house clean and she has to cook three meals a day. Here's what you can wear. Here's what you, I mean, in fact, he makes a list and he posts it on the refrigerator door. And if you want to have a happy marriage and if you want to be married to me, here's the list. This is what you have to do in order to be a dutiful, submissive wife. And so every day she gets up and she checks the list off and she does, she has the laundry done and she's got the house clean. She's got supper on the table at six o'clock. I mean, she keeps a list and she is miserable. From all outward appearances, you and I looking at her, she looks like the model wife. She's doing everything that is demanded of her, but it is bondage to her. And suppose one day that that husband dies and she meets another man. 
and she gets remarried. And this new husband doesn't come in with a list. He just wants to love her. He just wants to enjoy life with her. He doesn't tell her how she has to get it. You don't have to clean the house. You don't have to iron my clothes. You don't have to you don't have to do anything. I just want you to be my wife. That's all. I just want a relationship. And one day, Brother Tim, she wakes up and discovers that she's doing everything for him, that she was doing for the ogre. She's cleaning the house and she's doing the laundry and she's fixing supper, but she's doing it without a list. She's doing it because she has fallen in love with somebody that loves her. And she's doing doing everything that was on the list, but she's doing it because she loves somebody. I'm going to tell you something. When you love the Lord, you don't have to have a list. You don't have to have somebody crawling down your throat. When you fall in love with somebody that loves you, you'll do everything on the list and so much more, and you will love doing it. <laughs> If you are miserable, you have no joy in living for Christ. It is because all of your focus is on the externals. All of your focus is on the rules and you don't have a relationship. Christianity is not doing the world and loving not doing the world. My flesh is not doing that and I'm not miserable. I'm not listening to that music and I'm not mad about it. I'm not going to those places and those aren't going to be my friends and I don't have a bad attitude. Some of you girls you chafe at having to wear a dress and, and dress modestly and I can't wait to get under out from under my repressive parents so I can finally be free and there's others of you that dress modest and feminine and nice and you love that I love not being like the world I love not looking like the world I love not being in love with the fashions of this world and that is why you that is why you are watching your friends Grow up in a Christian home and as fast as they can run away from the standards in the name of liberty. It is because they have rules, but they do not have a relationship. You grow up in a Christian home and somewhere, some friends, some social media, somebody implants in your heart that the rules are repressive. And for all of those years, the emphasis of your life has been on the external and you are squeaky clean and you play the role and you look the part but inside of your heart there is a seething rebellion against it all yep. Yep. that is legalism your sanctification is rules based not relationship in the book of Galatians Paul is going to address not only legalism he's going to take you to the other ditch on the other side and that is license when someone lives in legalism and finally despairs of it, they will always run all the way over to the other side and enter into license. From living strictly by standards to having no standards. And once a person gets license in their heart, there's not enough verses in the Bible to quote to him to get his twisted heart straightened back up because it becomes very subjective. It is not Bible-based. It is feeling-based is what it is. He addresses it. Look at Galatians 5 and verse number 13. Look at it. He says, For brethren, 
Ye have been called unto liberty. Watch this. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And that one single verse defines what's happening in your age group in Baptist churches all over America right now. Now, now what? There are preachers, there are preachers right now who are marking standards and lowering the bar of separation, and they are doing it in the name of liberty. I know preachers who browbeat standards into their people and use the pulpit as a bully pulpit, and everybody marches around to the same drum beat, and, and everybody is just like robots. I, I understand that. But the most worldly, carnal people in the world claim liberty but they are using liberty as a cloak, as a cover for their sin. Legalism is depending on the flesh. License is indulging the flesh. The Bible word for it is lasciviousness. Jude verse 4, there are certain men crept unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, watch this phrase, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. When you turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, that, that, that word is unrestrained sexual desire. When you turn grace into lasciviousness, it is no longer grace. And the contemporary church, and let me just go ahead and say it, the contemporary church has redefined grace as a permission to do whatever you want to do, but grace has nothing to do with permission. Grace is the power to do what Christ wants you to do. Grace teaches you not to be worldly. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldliness. That's what the grace of God does. It teaches you not to have any desire for the world. Grace in your life is a newfound power to please Christ. And if you think that grace is to throw the shackles of standards and separation and sanctification off of your life, you don't understand what grace is. Grace, grace it teaches you not to love the world and to love not loving the world. And if your definition of grace does not match Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, then you have turned grace into lasciviousness. And some of you tonight, you live like that and you call it liberty. You have freedom in Christ and nobody can give you 13 verses against contemporary music and I don't want any rules on what I watch and where I go and who my friends are and if somebody dares warn you then you scream legalist back at us and some of you, you can so violate your conscience at the movie theaters that want you to watch and they can take the Lord's name in vain and not even bother you and then get up on a platform and sing Jesus is the sweetest name I know you're living in license is what you are and it is a cloak for carnality. When a person gets saved, God doesn't just throw the Bible out the window and say, now that you're saved, you can just go do anything you want to and live any way you want to and I'll let you decide what is right and what is wrong and you be your own judge and you just live by your own decisions. No, that is a gross distortion of the grace of God. In our independent Baptist movement, there was a time when we leaned toward legalism. We did. We had the standards, but we were proud of our standards. We had men who preached rules every single time they got up. They cracked the whip. And you better conform or there was no place for you. 
And there's been a lot of problems in our movement. And one of the biggest has been is flesh dependency. We became successful and we built the largest churches and all of the emphasis was on what we are doing and we are going to do more. That is not our problem now. Very few churches have very strict standards and demand that every member keep all of those standards. Very few. The problem today is not legalism. The problem today is license. The problem is that you're so proud of checking things off your list. No, the problem is we've thrown the list out the window. Legalism will always lead to license unless you get to Jesus. How many, how many young people have, have grown up with every standard that was right and godly, and as soon as they turned 18, they ran all the way over to license. They had standards, and they were so proud of how spiritual that they were, but they never learned true freedom in Christ, and they leave the separated church, and they run to the contemporary church in droves. Hey, by the way, when you leave flesh dependency and you go to flesh indulgence, you really haven't moved very far. You are still in the flesh. Young people that leave from one kind of church to another kind of church, all that you're doing is you're exchanging one type of flesh for another type of flesh. Whether you're dependent on the flesh or you're indulging the flesh, it is still flesh. Neither one of them is a spirit-led walk. You didn't move as far as you thought that you did. Legalism and license are two sides of the same coin. There's, there's no middle ground between the two. And it doesn't matter which one you fall into. Both of them are a ditch. The prodigal son fell into the ditch of license. Dad's rules are so repressive. Dad's so old-fashioned. Dad needs to get with the times. Dad doesn't understand me. I, 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 can't, I can't live under all of these rules. The other brother fell into legalism. I, I, never, I never went to the far country. I, I've never wasted my father. Look, look at all the things that I've never done. Neither one of them had a relationship with the father. One's license, one legalism, but neither one of them. By, by the way, whether you're in flesh, indulgence or flesh dependency, whether you're licensed or legalism, both of them are going to end in corruption because that's the only thing that flesh can produce. That is corruption. But when you despair of legalism and license, Paul says there's another path. That is liberty. He says in verse chapter 5 and verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. He says, Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage is legalism. But you and I are called to live in liberty. Again, liberty is not freedom to go wild. Liberty is a dependence on the Spirit of God for the power of Christ to enable us to live as he wants us to live. Liberty doesn't mean that I can go sin because of grace. Liberty means that I am free not to sin because of grace. When you surrender to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he changes your desires and he empowers you to live the Christ life. And it's not living a holy life and being mad about it. It's loving the way that he wants me to love. You find something in my life that you don't want, then you just point your finger at it. I'll lay it on the altar and never pick it up again. And loving that. How are you going to do that? Legalism is flesh dependency. And license is flesh indulgence. But this is going to trip you up. Liberty comes with flesh crucifixion. Death to self. Yes. 
Look at Galatians 2. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. The word crucified is in the passive voice. It is not that you crucified yourself when you got saved, but you are crucified with Christ. Do you see that? I am crucified with Christ. It is something that is done to you. Well, look at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5 and verse 24. Verse, verse 24. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. It is active voice. It is now something that you do after you are saved. The key to liberty is not indulgence of the flesh. It's the exact opposite. It is crucifying the flesh by the power of Christ that is in you. And do you know how many times you do that? Every day. Multiple times a day. And crucifixion is a foreign concept to most Christians. You must die to yourself every day. And when you Die to yourself, you will finally begin to live in liberty. My wife is here tonight, and I, I've, I've said this many times in her absence. I'll say it in her presence. She's the godliest lady I've ever met. My wife walks with God. We met when we were teenagers. We have high school sweethearts and had been married 30, 31, 32 years, something like that. And um, 30, I know 30 is in the number. And, uh, well, my, my wife grew up in a Christian home. Um, her parents, they were, they were an American Baptist church back then, and then they came over and became independent Baptists. So, so her early years grew up in, in an uh, American Baptist church. And, and, and in, in those churches, what, what, a, what a whole lot of standards and emphasis on standards. And I remember when my wife got saved in an early age, teenager, in church, youth group, serving God. We sang together in a group and, and, and just serving the Lord. But there came a time in her life, just her life, nobody preaching on it, nobody telling her. came a time in her life as a teenage girl, probably 13, 14, 15, that God convicted her heart, just her, about wearing pants. Nobody was preaching on it. Nobody's, there was no rules. There was no, it just, just that was her. Just her. And one day she came to an altar and she gave that to the Lord. I'm not going to dress like that. By the way, I don't care what your standard is. I'm not your husband. I'm not your dad. I don't care. Pants is not the issue. You understand? I, okay. But for her, for her, the Lord said, this is what I want. I want out of your life. I've been married to her 30 years. Outside of a house, I've never seen my wife in a pair of pants. I have never told her, now if you're going to marry me, you can't wear that. That has never been a rule in our household. And she's not mad about it. She don't have a bad attitude. There just came a point in her life where the Lord said, this, if you're going to go farther with me, this is what I want. It's not pants. The issue is whatever God puts in your life. Yes, sir. That's all. We have young people that chafe under rules. They live under good rules, but they chafe under the rules. And they think that they are more spiritual because, because all of those rules and all the while hating how they live. The rule doesn't make you spiritual. 
The, the, the rule doesn't give you sanctification. And one day when you are able, you will break free from the rules and you'll run all the way to license because you think that nobody's going to tell you how to dress, what to listen to, who your friends can be. And you think that you have liberty. You don't have liberty. You are still in bondage to the flesh just like you were when you lived in legalism. There, there, are, there, there are people in this room that you have some things in your life that is absolutely killing you. And here's the thing about it. It can be something that's wrong for you, but not wrong for the guy sitting next to you. And there's some things that are just flat out wrong. Okay? But if the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, I want donuts out of your life, I don't care what it is. You don't need a verse. You don't need six verses of just as I am. But if God convicts you of it, you, you, you. If he says, I want it out of your life. I don't, I don't want you to wear blue socks. I don't care what it is. If he says that, it might not be wrong for anybody else, but it now becomes wrong for you. I, I want you to die to this. I want you to give this up. Do you love me more than you love this? And when God convicts you of it. And you, you think, you think that to give that up, I will absolutely, I will absolutely die. No, you will finally begin to live. Every older saint in here knows that there was a time when God came to you and said, there is something in your life that I want. It could have been cigarettes. It could have been the movies. It could have been whatever it might. They used to have youth meetings where we would build bonfires and everybody would bring their rock tapes and they would throw it all in. They would burn it and have big bonfires. And some of you remember throwing clothing in it and different things like that. And at the time, you thought it was going to kill you, but you actually just began to live. You accepted that rule in your life because Christ demanded it and that decision didn't ruin you. It actually delivered you. There's Christians in this room who do not listen to country music and it is killing them not to listen to it. And there's Christians in this room that do listen to country music and it is killing you to listen to it. And there are Christians in this room that don't listen to Christian music. And you're fine. Because you crucified it years ago and you have no desire. And you are living. I believe that this generation right here, he preached the other night about the greatest generation. I believe that you could win your world. But you will not do it in license and you will not do it in legalism. And the temptation for you is not to just force more standards down my throat and be rigidly miserable. But boy, I've got a list. That's not your temptation. Your temptation is to redefine liberty and use it as a cloak for an indulgence of the flesh. That's the defining mark of your generation. And everybody sitting here is thinking of somebody that you know that has gone in that direction. And the legalist flaunts his standards and his list. And the licentious flaunts the fact that I don't have a list. And neither one of them are truly spiritual. All they're doing is exhibiting the two ditches of carnality. But there's some of you in here tonight, you're not tempted by either one of them. And what you really want is you want God. You want to be holy. And I want to honor my heritage. And I want to have a life that is pleasing to God. And there's young men in here that you hunger for the power of God. And there's girls in here that you thirst for righteousness. And you've heard enough preaching to know what is right. You don't need six verses on contemporary music or country music. You already know in your heart what's right. You don't need to convince me of what needs to be on your list. But the flesh is so insistent. Carnality runs so deep. The temptations to the world are so strong. 
And you'll never know the power of God and the Christ life and a surrendered life outside of self-crucifixion. I know what my flesh wants, but no. I know the music I'm tempted to, but no. I know the things I like to watch, the games I like to play, and the friends I like to be around, but no. I'd rather have intimacy with Jesus Christ. I'd rather have the joy of God flooding my soul. I'd rather please God. I'd rather have his power in my life. I don't want to play games. And when you come to the place of self-crucifixion and you die to self, sin. You will know what the Bible talks about when it says liberty. I illustrate this and I'm done. Brother Brent, come to, brother, brother, brother Benjamin, come to the piano. Suppose tonight we bring a 10-foot basket goal, standard 10-foot, and we put this 10-foot basketball goal on this platform, put it on the floor. And we find us a five-year-old boy. We bring him up and give him a basketball. And we tell him, I want you to go and I want you to dunk that 10-foot basketball rim. It's impossible. Standards too high. But we're encouraging. We're all cheering him on. You can do it. So, so he gets some bravado up and, and, he, and he gets a basketball and he bounces it and he runs across and, and, and he tries and he jumps. He doesn't even come close. So we cheer him on some more. Cheer him on some more. He tries. and he does. So finally, we berate him. You're not trying hard enough. Don't you love basketball? I mean, don't you want to please us? I mean, it's only 10 feet. That's the center. I mean, wait, wait, you, you need to try harder. So he tries and he tries and he tries. And after a while, he gets so discouraged that he finally just quits. And he gets so discouraged, he never wants to pick up a basketball again the rest of his life. Don't even want to try. That's legalism. So, 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 you know, so legalistic, it's so unloving. So let's lower it. Let's take the 10 foot rim down to a three foot rim. Give him the basketball. Come on, you can do it. He takes the basketball, runs across with ease, with ease, slams the ball through the hoop. Everybody cheers him on. Everybody prides him. What a great basketball player. He hadn't done anything. Just lowering the standard to where everybody can be. That's not anything. That's license. But suppose we leave the standard where it is. That's the standard. You don't have a right to change that. And we go out and we get us an NBA basketball player that's seven foot three inches. And we bring him in here. And we take this five-year-old boy, play for me. And we set this boy on the shoulders of that seven foot three basketball player. Takes the basketball up to the rim and not on his own power but by the power of somebody else. We're not lowering the standard. We're not destroying the standard. But we're not telling him to do something that he can't do. But by the power of someone greater than him. He is able to meet the standard. That, my friend, is liberty in Jesus Christ. Some of you tonight, you're in legalism. You got the list. You got the standards. And you're miserable. You have no joy. You have no peace. You have no victory. 
all that you have is rules. Everything about your Christian life, it's external. That's all that it is. And here's what's going to happen. One day, you're going to get despair of it. And you're going to never pick up the rules again. You're going to go all the way to license. And there's some of you here tonight, you're in license. And the reality is, is that you're carnal. You're worldly. You love that world more than you love Jesus Christ. That's what you want. You want to be like them. And what you want to do is you ought to come to an altar tonight and say, Lord, forgive me for even thinking that way, for even desiring that, for even wanting to be that. But Lord, tonight I need your power. I need your touch. Because I think that there are some of you in here that really want the power of God. You want a spirit-filled life. You want God to fill you and to use you. You want a dependency on Him. And you want to come tonight and say, Lord, put your finger on it. Tell me what it is. I'll lay it on the altar. I walk out of here and I'll never pick it up again. But I must have you. I must have God in my life. Holy Spirit of God, speak to our hearts tonight. Do the work tonight that we cannot do. Touch us in a powerful way. Liberate us from legalism and the pride and the self-dependency. And oh, deliver us from license, that carnality, that law for the world. But every day, may I get up and acknowledge the weakness of my flesh and cry out to you that I must have you for today, for today. That is the only way that I'll have a life that's pleasing to Christ. Speak to our hearts, I pray.